Market Foolery is brought to you by PayPal Credit. Summer is here, so make the most of it by booking your travel plans or purchasing your favorite gadgets with six months special financing on purchases of $99 or more with PayPal Credit. Learn more at paypal.com slash fool. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. It's Wednesday, July 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio in the heat of earnings palooza is the one and only Abby Mallon. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. This is my favorite week of the year, and it comes four times a year. I love it. We got like 700 companies reporting this week. This all the things to talk about. All the things to talk about. And we're not going to talk about all of them, although there are the huge companies reporting that we're just not going to be able to get to. We will talk about the latest from Visa and Chipotle. We got to start, though, with Snap. Shares up 16% this morning after Snap lost money in the second quarter, just <laughs> just not as much as everyone was expecting them to lose. What do you think when you look at this company? I mean, the, the stock has just been insane this year. It has basically tripled in 2019. So we'll, we'll get to this quarter in a second, but when you look at just that, shares of Snap tripling in basically six months and change. Does that get you excited, or is this one of those things that you look at and you think, oh my God, you can buy that if you want, but I'm not? Um, probably more of the latter, not the former. But um, I do think a little bit of that is that Snap was punished pretty pretty harshly, I would say, in their um, market debut. And so people were kind of taking their hands off of it. It fell significantly. Um, I think maybe that was a little bit of an overreaction. But I do think it's interesting, given the environment that we're currently in with large tech and specifically large social media companies sort of being more scrutinized, and um, you're seeing regulators get involved a little bit more than normal. I do think it's very um, a little bit counterintuitive that Snap would be doing this well. So we've talked before about advertisers essentially um, looking at Google and Facebook as must-haves. Is Snap moving into that category, if only for a certain segment of the consumer base out there? Is, this, is Snap now, if you have a product that you're selling and your target market is people 13 to 34 years old, is Snap now an automatic go-to for you? It's interesting you ask that. So I think this turnaround um, was Spiegel's idea to stop trying to attract all users and really just focus on engaging specifically with that sort of younger demographic base. Um, I think if you look at Pinterest, it's maybe kind of a similar idea where it's very niche in that it's um, majority women. Um, so I do think focusing rather than fighting that trend is helpful. So you saw their average revenue per user increase to $1.91 versus $1.84 was expected. So, pretty significant growth in that. And I think um, maybe a little bit of that is that less advertisers are interested, but the ones who are have to be there. Uh, you mentioned Evan Spiegel, the CEO. It is interesting to see um, uh, sort of his tenure as he continues to lead this company. And I, I think you're you're probably right when you look at the the full like one year chart of this stock. I mean, it's tripled in 2019, but really over the past 12 months, it's basically up 30 uh, percent. I mean, it really got hit hard at the end of last year, um, and it, it does seem like at least part of what we're seeing in 2019 is um, 
at least some people on Wall Street saying, you know what, maybe we're a little too harsh on that stock, and by the way, maybe we're a little too harsh on this CEO, and let's let's see what he can do. Definitely. I mean, the augmented reality technology that they have is really admirable. I think it's actually very interesting. I think um, part of that is what makes it so appealing to advertisers. It's kind of that new, innovative space, and um, you have to give credit where credit is due. Speaking of giving credit where credit is due, same-store sales for Chipotle were up 10%. That is the sixth quarter in a row of accelerating comps for Chipotle. Uh, This second quarter report was pretty strong. It was strong. So Within that 10%, 6.5% was an increase in traffic, and 3.5% was an increase in ticket. And so, Digging a little bit deeper into that ticket, it was boosted by higher prices, but then they also said it was mildly offset by deferred loyalty program revenue. Um, so, kind of an interesting and all around, actually, generally very positive metrics for them. More store traffic, um, more loyalty members, which so they launched that loyalty program back in March, I believe, and they're already at about five million uh, members, which is, I mean, that's that's phenomenal. It really is, and you have to assume that uh, you have to assume a couple of things. One, uh, that's something that continue to that can continue to drive this business. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they grow that, but it wouldn't surprise me if, in say a year or two, that they were at double digits in terms of how many millions of people they have in that. Uh, two, and this goes back to giving credit where credit is due. Brian Nickel has done such an amazing job leading this company in the past 18 months. Um, they are a long ways away from the the days where uh, they were. You know, the story a few summers ago was how Chipotle was basically. You know, it wasn't a rewards program story. It was a, essentially a coupon story. They were just try, trying to do anything they could to get people in the store. Right. Right. I mean, it's interesting. So he came from Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Um, I would say similar space, maybe. Um, I would like, I think these companies would like to think that the more health conscious or more aware consumer chooses Chipotle over Taco Bell. But um, part of his strategy, which he talked about more this quarter, was um, adding new menu items. So historically, that's been not within Chipotle's wheelhouse. They've kept their menu very, very short. Um, it controls costs. It makes you really good at the very few things that you do. There's a lot of advantages to that. But now, um, Nickel is actually adding menu items. So um, you're going to lose a little bit on the efficiency side, just because more things, more sources, more people to make more things, et cetera, et cetera. But the idea is that um, your existing customers come in more because there's more options, and you maybe attract some new customers that you wouldn't have had before. So, um, kind of interesting to bring that Taco Bell strategy to Chipotle and actually see it work very well. So I sold this stock before Nickel became CEO, and, and when you're you- mad. I'm not mad. I, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, I've missed out on a tremendous run that this stock has had. But I was thinking about it this morning. I was trying to sort of go back and think about because when Nickel was named CEO, ultimately my decision not to buy shares at that time was because I didn't think Steve Ells was going to let Brian Nickel be Brian Nickel. I really didn't think, given everything Steve Ells had done when he was running Chipotle. There was nothing that made me think, oh, yeah, he'll let this guy have free reign to do what he wants. Completely. And if, I, and I think a lot of people laughed at it, though. Like, I think at the time the announcement kind of came off like, 
you were that desperate that you went to talk about. Right. Like, I don't know. It just came off very odd. Almost like if you had put like a McDonald's CEO at Whole Foods, right? Like, you're like, that's just not. It's same because it's food, but it's not the same because it's like totally different approaches. Right. And so I feel like a lot of people actually maybe didn't foresee this coming. The the only thing in this report that uh, that gave me pause, and this is this is incredibly minor. This is I, I don't think anything to worry about if you're a Chipotle shareholder. But I did note that the board of directors has approved a share buyback plan of one hundred million dollars, which is not a huge amount of money in the grand scheme of share buyback plans, but with this stock approaching eight hundred dollars a share, with the way that it—I mean, it's like really now you want to? I don't think now is the time to buy back stock. Yeah, I mean, we've had a lot of discussions within the investing team about um, share buybacks, whether or not people like them. General consensus is that it's opportunistic when shares are low or undervalued by management's expectations. Um, in other in other instances, I think it's just sort of like. That's your best use of capital. Like it's a little disappointing as a shareholder because I'm like I would rather see you invest that and grow. So I would agree with that. Although there are some businesses that uh, have rewarded shareholders year after year because that's been part of their strategy. Definitely. Very, you look at a company like, and like Auto- very mature businesses. Yeah. You mm-hmm. look at a company like AutoZone. Like if you're buying AutoZone, you're buying into a stable business. And a management team that has a great track record of buying back stock, and that's right. one of the major ways they reward shareholders. Right. I mean, I think there are exceptional times to use it. I just, um, I'm not sure that this is necessarily one of them. But like you said, um, it's incrementally very small for them. You're not going to spend a ton of money at Chipotle, but if you do have any big purchases coming up, like trips, hotels, home goods, or just about anything, you can use PayPal credit and enjoy six months special financing on purchases of $99 or more. For big purchases like these, try PayPal credit. It is a digital, reusable credit line built into your account with PayPal. It's great for big or unexpected expenses. And you can use it anywhere PayPal is accepted. Applying is easy. You just answer a few quick questions, and then you'll know within seconds if you're approved. To learn more and apply, just go to paypal.com fool. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. That's paypal.com fool. And thanks to PayPal Credit for their advertising support of Market Foolery. Visa's third quarter profits and revenue came in higher than expected, and Wall Street yawned. Shares of Visa are basically flat. They were down, I don't know, a half percent when we walked in the studio. This is a stock, however, that has such a great track record over the past year. It's up about 28%. It it seems like, look, when we come into earnings season, there are absolutely companies that we expect to see a pretty big swing one way or the other uh, when the report comes out. It seems like Visa is no longer that company. I would agree with that. I mean, this was a good quarter for them. So revenues were up 11%. Um, that was driven by a 3% increase in the number of cards. But the really interesting metric was actually the 9% increase in spending using Visa cards. So, and that's in constant currency. But um, pretty significant moves in terms of spending there. Is this historically, and I don't own shares of it, much to my detriment, um, is this a company that has a history of acquisitions um, and doing a good job of sort of incorporating them into the business? Or, or have they gotten to where they are? And by the way, where they are is Visa is closing in on a market cap of $400 billion. Have they gotten to where they are simply by growing their, their homegrown business? 
I don't know if it's so much necessarily an acquisition story. I think, you know, you have dominant players within this marketplace. Visa is, you know, you think Visa, you think MasterCard, right? That's sort of like your two dominant main forces. And I think um, when you have a brand that's that potent, it's um, it's really powerful. And I think it's actually very interesting. I know we were talking about valuation before this, and you know, how does Visa justify this? And if this isn't moving the top line, like what does sort of? Yeah, it was a great quarter. It was a great quarter. Um, I think the good thing and the bad thing for Visa is that they've become um, very consistent, very reliant, um, and it's one of the few companies that's both large and I would argue pretty stable, but also still providing these pretty large growth metrics, even at such a high volume, which is just moving the needle that much is really significant. So um, there's a predictability, I think, that's maybe. I mean, I don't want to say working against them because it is positive, but I think it's not driving the surprises on the up or the downside that you would see. Well, we were talking before about Snap, and a lot of times when we're looking at individual businesses, it's helpful for investors to understand whatever is the narrative of that business at the time. And part of the narrative with Snap, certainly today, is hey, this thing is bouncing back. I mean, you look at the Definitely. coverage both of Snap and of Evan Spiegel. You know, it's that. I think to the point you just made. Yeah, that's the narrative with Visa right now. It's like, oh yeah, they're great. Like, there's, <laughs> like there's nothing. There's, uh, yeah. It's just oh yeah 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 they're great they're great but there's nothing super compelling about their story. But I, I think a lot of people on the investing team would be, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking of you know, folks like Ron Gross, they'll be quick to tell you, hey, there are a lot of boring businesses out there that have done an amazing job of rewarding shareholders. Right. I mean, complexity, I think, is where you get sort of price discrepancy. And so, the less complexity you have with the stock, the more um, I would say the more right the value is going to be. So, for Visa, it's probably pretty Fairly valued for what it's doing. All right, I gotta let you get back to work. You're a working analyst. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's gonna do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.